Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King, and you're listening to the Photography Podcast dedicated to getting you out there on an adventure of your own. I know that all of you have full-time jobs, full-time families, but you bought that camera for a reason. So pack your gear, grab your camera, get out there, get a flat tire. It's time for a Photog Adventure of your own. It's episode 163, and welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. If you're listening to this right now in your car, know that the audio and video is available over on my Facebook page. I'm recording this right now in an episode that is part of my almanac discussion discussion Q&A that happened. What day is it today? Today is the 15th, Tuesday the 15th of December. So go and look on my Facebook page, Photog Adventures, and you will see that I have this live video and you can watch it instead of just listen. If you want to see some of the visuals, as I will have a couple visuals in here that I'm sharing as I go through. But today is all about the numbers in the title of this. Well, actually, did I even name it with the title? I think I have decided to change the name. So we'll just say this. You know that I'm saying, how many perfect nights are in 2021? Do you know them? I know them. But there's also some caveats to the term perfect that we're going to go through. And I'm going to explain all of this and in the process tell you how I know this based off of something that I'm offering as a new product for everyone, which is my Aaron King's Milky Way Photography Almanac 2021 edition. So the Milky Way Photography Almanac is basically my go-to from making an ebook about Milky Way photography and doing something that fits my core principles of adventure, get out there. And how does that make sense? How does that mesh with getting out there and going on adventures of your own? Well, as you think about the whole year coming ahead and the year that we have just had, you think, okay, I didn't go out enough or I actually went out pretty well. I went out a lot. I want to go out again a lot. How do I know or how do I plan to go out? Or if you didn't go out, you spent time in lockdown. You spent time in your apartment like I did then you're thinking, okay, I'm going to get out more in 2021. And I wanted to give you something that is going to elaborate quickly, detail all the good nights to go out for Milky Way photography, where you can look at my Milky Way photography almanac and see the wall calendar if you get that as well, because it's an add-on where you can get a whole wall poster that fits the wall, 36 inches by 24 inches. So it's huge. The wall poster is huge and it can go right up in the wall like my wall poster I have right now that I'm looking at and you can go, hmm, all right, those three weeks in February are actually quite perfect. I'm going to go out those nights. And so the Milky Way photography almanac is the entire goal is dedicated to getting you out there more in 2021 and to give you a quick easy way to distill which nights are great so if you guys want to check out the link in my podcast audio below those of you watching right now on facebook you can check out the link that i have pinned to the comments you can go check out the almanac right now and today only this is actually a discount, so it's only going to be $10 today if you go now and get the discount, but then it goes up to 13 bucks. So the actual price, I've saved 3 bucks off of your cost, and I put a discount up through today. So this podcast will need to be edited and sent out immediately. So note to Aaron, edit this podcast right after I'm done recording it. So welcome in. The Photog Adventures adventure has been, you know, a seasonal thing. As you can expect, you don't necessarily do Milky Way all year long, but for landscape photography, I still got out in the winter months, or at least intended. I went out famously with Dan, and we all went on a bike ride 
on a snowy trail to the Fifth Water Hot Springs, and I was passed by a bunch of little girls who laughed at the fat man who couldn't quite make it up the flat road. It had a, had a gradual incline. It was hard. But I had a fat tire bike. And that fat tire bike with its tires were a little too hard in the snow that we had. There, It's great for big, fluffy snow, but we had hard, compact snow. And it was not necessary to be a big, fat tire. And so the fat tire was even harder and more laborious. to. Use. So that was my winter adventure back in 2017. 2018, I went out to Death Valley and Moab. It wasn't very wintry, but it was my best winter adventure I can do. In 2019, I didn't get out for a winter adventure. In 2020, I didn't get out for a winter adventure. And now, I got to go out in 2021. I I know I'm going to get out more this winter. I have to, and I hope that you guys are also agreeing and thinking, yeah, I've got to get out more. So when I'm thinking about Photog Adventures coming into the season-ending moment, November is behind us in the rear view. The Milky Way core is gone, I think. Well, there's nothing else to photograph in the night sky. And I'm going to feature Mary Beth Kaczynski right now yet again. Um, If you haven't seen her panorama Milky Way from December, then you need to go to her Facebook right now or or her Instagram and check out Shelby Diamond Star because it makes me incredibly envious that she's pulled off a panorama in December that looks really cool. It's over Factory Butte. You can see the whole northern Milky Way sky. And because she's using an astro-modded camera, All of the detail of nebulas and nebulosity and the pinks, they all came out. It was tremendous. In fact, I'm saying this as I'm not sharing this information with those of you who are listening to me live right now. So while I go into the next section of this discussion, I am going to show you Shelby Diamond Star over Instagram's picture of her panorama of the Milky Way at night. And oh man, winter Milky Way, and it is fantastic. Fantastic. You can see how with all of the nebulosity going on in our Milky Way, it's not just the core of the Milky Way that is interesting. There's actually tons more active. In fact, the big consolation prize for me every year is that Orion, the constellation Orion finally rises over the horizon and it brings with it Barnard's Loop, Witch's Head Nebula, Horsehead Nebula, Orion Nebula, Betelgeuse, a bright yellow star, Rigel, a blue, blue star, Bellatrix, I didn't even know your name until this year, until a comet came right by. I mean, I've seen your name, but I didn't put it to memory on that one star in Orion constellation because it just wasn't interesting to me. But now the comet came by in October and November, and I think it was just November, actually, in November, and that small little green fuzzy dot was right next to Bellatrix for a while. So the night sky is full of awesome wonder. And in her astromodded camera out here next to the factory butte underneath there, you can see this beautiful view. Um, Check it out. So envious of it, Mary Beth. Uh, Phil comments, all of the colors. I mean, there's light pollution, air glow, and nebulosity that all come in together here making something insane and i'm showing you guys a lower res zoomed in version from instagram so this isn't even doing it full justice for those of you watching live right now and oh just an amazing amazing shot and there's just more to do in december where you might have thought like i have thought that it's time to just take a break 
And so get out there, get out there with your camera. So let's talk about Southern Hemisphere and how many nights. I promised that answer. It's time that I give that answer. And so here it is in short. Northern Hemisphere has 119 days and the Southern Hemisphere has 100 and, oh, what was it again? 101 perfect nights in 2021. Okay, how do you quantify that, Aaron? What do you quantify for a perfect night? And why is it so few? Why are there so few perfect nights? Okay, how did I qualify a night as perfect versus a night as okay? And you're going to find this funny and see the pattern as I go through each month. So let's just start off in January. In January, it's equal, 14 nights each. They both have Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere. We each have 14 nights perfect. In February, 12 for Southern, 15 for Northern. In March, 8 for Southern, 12 for Northern. It's starting to sound like the North is winning, and yet in this podcast, I'm going to explain to you how the South wins tenfold, tenfold. Then April, 9, 13, May, 5, and 8. Then we're tied again June, July, and August for five, five, and eight each. September, there's eight for South, 12 for North. October, there's 13 and 13 each. And then November, there's 14 and 14 each. Okay, okay. If you followed along those numbers at all, then you're probably thinking, okay, um, there are 14 perfect nights in November, but there's five perfect nights in June? Isn't that the month where everyone does the 23-night challenge? How are there only five perfect nights, Aaron? Describe and detail what your lies are all about. Well, my lies are talking about the fact that a perfect night using the almanac standard is a misnomer, and I hate it. (laughs) Yes, clickbait. I said perfect night and then told you within 10 minutes that perfect is crap. It's trash. So what is a perfect night then? If you guys have looked at the almanac and if you clicked on the link that I have down below in the podcast notes, or if you're already there and you already own an almanac by chance, thank you so much for supporting me. If you do already have the almanac, I really appreciate it. If you look at the almanac, you'll see that I clarify two things. There's two questions answered in the almanac. One, is the Milky Way core, galactic core, above the horizon? And then I separate the night in four parts and say which part of the night will the Milky Way core be above the horizon beginning the first half the first three-fourths or the last half or the middle sections only actually it's never the middle sections only and or the final quarter of the night and I put it out there in four boxes and I detail it then I describe whether or not the night is perfect based on the moon so one the Milky Way core being above the horizon two two the actual night having the moon in your way or not. And I also separate the night into four parts. And with those four parts, I'm basically saying, okay, does the moon rise on us at the beginning of the night? Or is it going to set on us? Or is it actually rising towards the middle of the night and it's going to be up the rest of the night? Or is it staying up, staying up and finally setting about towards the end of the night and gives us a small little opening at the end? So, for instance, November 2020. Let me just look at that almanac calendar. If I look at, say, Wednesday the 4th, I am seeing a blue square and three white squares. And that's clarifying that, hey, the moon is actually going to rise. The beginning of the night, the first part of the night, the moon is gone. 
And depending on your local current location, that hour, the minute that that happens is going to be different. But the basic idea is that the first part of the night, there's no moon, but three-fourths of the night, there will be a moon. It will rise on you eventually and then stay up the remaining of the night. So when you look at these two details, okay, the moon is up, the core is up, and then combine them together for four quadrants each. You can see that in November, for Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere, we share the exact same situation where only in the first part of the night out of four is the Milky Way core above the horizon because then it quickly sets. Doesn't mean that the rest of the Milky Way itself is gone. The Milky Way itself is always up every night, even in December, as you can see in Mary Beth's image if you checked it out. But the reality is elitists like myself, <laughs> I'm very elitist about this, but the Milky Way core that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. And it's above the horizon only for the first part and then sets. So if one out of four squares has the Milky Way core, then I look down here and as long as that first square of the night in the almanac has no moon, it's a perfect night. So we look at November 2020 and go, all right, the 3rd, 4th, 5th, in fact, all the way from the 3rd to the 16th through the new moon, the first square of every night is blue, showing that the moon is out of your way. So from the 3rd to the 16th, every one of those nights get counted. And so when you count every single one of those, then you see that, ah, oh, okay, well, if those are all good leading up to it because it's all dark at the beginning, I, 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 I got some information wrong. I'm looking, oh, I see. That's what happens in November. See, I'm comparing this between the numbers I gave you in 2021, but then I'm giving an example, which I should probably do for those of you hanging out with me live. My example here of November 2020, this is a graphic of how the new moon schedule went in 2020, and it's throwing me off because the numbers don't add up to the same, and that's because in 2021, November begins with merely a day before the new moon part starts. And unfortunately, that means all those nights where you have no moon until it finally rises, they're actually all back in October. And in November, most of them are times after the moon has set, which means it puts us in November 2020 with different numbers than I gave you in the quote of 14 nights. But you can see how if I look on November 17th and it shows me right after the new moon, the moon starts to rise, or I guess it takes longer to set. So the moon is up in the sky and then remains in the sky behind the sun's pace. So the sun has set, but the moon is lagging behind it, and it finally sets. And every night after the new moon, it sets a little bit later, a little bit later, a little bit later. And so that moon gets in your way and more and more and more until it's a full moon. And then the moon gets out of your way at the beginning of the night, more and more and more until the new moon. So when you're looking at my calendar and you see that the first square on the 17th is full with white, that tells you, oh, crap, okay, the 17th is not a perfect night because the first part of the night, the same first part of the night where the Milky Way core is above the horizon, is not going to match up. Boom, that's how I clarify perfect versus not. So let me clarify that with one quick re-emphasis. If the Milky Way is up in the first two parts of the night, but not the last two parts of the night. The perfect nights for that month are going to be the nights where the moon is out of your way for the first two parts 
of the night. And so as soon as there's a part of that beginning of the night where the moon is up for a little bit of it, it doesn't count as a perfect night. And so looking at my iPad and not what I'm showing on the live stream, I can see November where the moon is out of the way all the way through the 5th. But then it gets in the way on the 6th, that Saturday. So November 2021, 6th is the first bad night for Milky Way photography. But it, there's other perfect nights. And that leads to the second caveat in perfect. Well, we'll... Let's leave that as a foreshadowing of the second caveat of perfect. So if I'm quantifying perfect nights being that there's the entire window of opportunity of seeing the Milky Way, the moon never gets in the way, that's a perfect night. That's why, crazy enough, other nights other than the summer months and winter months for, for Southern Hemisphere, other than those months, it's great and more perfect than in June. Um, let me make sense of that real fast. If you look at January, you, you get what we all have coming up in a month, there's going to be a Milky Way core that finally rises above the horizon depending on your personal location on Earth. It's finally going to rise at the end of the night getting into the morning. So that means if the moon is up on the last half of the night, you're never going to see the Milky Way core without the moon up. But if the moon goes down and sets and gets out of your way for the last half of the night, you're going to see it. And so looking at January, I've given 14 nights, both for Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere, because we both share the same um, Milky Way window of opportunity, where it's the last part of the night that it finally shows up. One part of the night, not two, not three, just one of the four. And so in that sense, when I look at the calendar, the only nights that are good are the nights where there is no moon on that last part of the night. So starting with the new moon and going all the way through to full moon, it's great. It's perfect because one whole part of the night is matching up with one whole part of the night free of the moon. Right up until finally in your current location, the minute that it moon finally rises on you and starts messing with you. Or I guess, uh, yeah. Because what happens is it's rising, it's staying up longer and longer and longer. And eventually, by the 25th, I'll just give that away, by the 25th, the full moon is going to be rising. You know, it's basically staying up so long it blocks everything. So when I'm looking at January and I compare those quadrants next to each other, and like, okay, perfect night, 11th through the 24th, boom, got it. And that's 14 nights when in June, the only nights that a four quadrant night matches up is only during the new moon so in june the milky way is up the entire night the core never sets it's up for both hemispheres the entire night and so if that core is always available to see the only time that you need to wait for is when the moon's out of your way but if i want to call it quotation mark perfect then the only perfect nights in June are during the new moon where it's sitting there from the 7th through the 11th, which puts five nights each for northern and southern hemisphere. So that's the reason why it's such a misnomer. In June, you can go out every night and capture a Milky Way except for the full moon week. But it's not a perfect night because the moon gets in your way some. And the only nights the moon doesn't get in your way some are through the new moon week. And so that's why perfect nights end up being only five. And so this is 
this is intentionally wrong to encourage all of you to stop looking for the perfect night to go out for Milky Way photography. There are less perfect nights than there are nights that you're able to do it. And you are going to be able to go three times, four times as many nights if you'll just go when your moon window and your Milky Way window line up. And that's what the almanac is for, is to give you precisely the knowledge that, hey, I want to go out after the 4th of July. I'm going to be with my family. We're traveling to Utah by chance, and we're going to be there together, and I'm going to go out from our campsite and see the Milky Way. I usually live in Chicago, and I'm here for family, so now I get a chance to see it. So for that that you know hypothetical situation, you might be thinking, will I be able to actually see the, the Milky Way on July 4th or July 5th? Let's say July 5th. If you look at my almanac real quick, you can go, boom, yes, there's three-fourths of the night that I can see the Milky Way because the moon is going to cooperate and only mess up one of those squares that night. Was it the beginning square or was it the end square? I don't know. Go get the almanac and find out, and you can see it too. Or you can check your PhotoPills app and find out. So this is a quick reference. I mentioned the second caveat, the one where November had 14 nights. Well, the reality is is that while I can look at these and say, okay, well, Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere, simply put, has a Milky Way core in the beginning part of the night only. The reality is, depending on your current location in November, even though the moon gets out of our way on the 22nd through the 30th, those, that week, those almost, what, eight days? Those eight days, I guess even more, because that's seven, that nine days. Those nine days are likely not to yield a core depending on where you're at. So when you look at those days and say that they're perfect days, it's possible that those perfect nights are crap because the Milky Way core has already set at your latitude. If you're closer towards the horizon, or I shouldn't say horizon, the equator, you're probably going to see that Milky Way core still. But if you're up north, as you know, I mean, I had one person email me and say, can I use this still for the UK? And it's like, oh man, everyone above the 50 degree latitude line has a completely different experience in the summer. And it's not because the Milky Way core doesn't go above your horizon. It's because you're out, you're, your latitude yields a all night astro twilight month of July through August. I think it really kind of goes depending on your location. It could go for two and a half months or it's just one month depending on exactly where you are. And so you end up with this never getting full darkness. And so in the UK, it doesn't quite match up. Well, in November, if I say those are the perfect nights, well, on the 30th, would we really see the Milky Way core? No, nah, even I go out to the Oregon coast so that I can get a nice flat horizon and see as much of it as possible. But it's high enough latitude that that Milky Way core is resting on the horizon. And then it takes a few minutes and sets. Does that mean that the Milky Way is ugly after the core is gone? No. If you're an elitist like me, yeah, I kind of feel that I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. But there are plenty of awesome images of the Northern Hemisphere tilted to the right Milky Way that you've ever seen that are all with the core not visible. And you may have not even realized it, that the core was not visible in those images. And frankly, it didn't really miss it. I personally miss it. And I find it, you know, too bad. But it's not ugly. And it's been really fantastic to capture the Milky Way in November. So will those nights be perfect? If you don't even see the Milky Way core, no, they're not. So caveat one, 
perfect is a misnomer because you can capture the Milky Way so many other nights. It's just you have 100% of the night without the moon in your way. And 100% of the time that the Milky Way is above the horizon, and during that 100% of whatever section of the night it is, that same section shares no moon. And so, therefore, it's perfect, so to speak. And caveat, too, that depending on your location on Earth, there might be nights later in the year, beginning of the year, where it's considered perfect, but you're not going to actually see the Milky Way core anyway. So, that's the answer for how many perfect nights there are. Now, how many potential nights are there? I don't have that number, but I can simply say that whether the full moon week has five or six or seven nights where it gets in your way, that means the rest of the month is an opportunity, an opportunity to capture the Milky Way, which is why the summer months are so dang popular because that Milky Way is up all night long. So if you could just get the moon out of your way, even for that one hour, that Milky Way is going to be there and ready to shine. And another thing to consider in the Southern Hemisphere, how everything goes and how it matches up. And there's some months that are great all night, but not great for Milky Way photography for some reason. And I'm going to describe that here next in the next segment. So stay with me. Come back. We'll be talking all about the Southern Hemisphere right after this break. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. I am talking Milky Way specifics in 2021. And in this segment, in this final segment, I want to talk about the Southern Hemisphere. I mentioned how we have 119 perfect nights in the Northern Hemisphere versus the 101 perfect nights in Southern Hemisphere. And that almost makes it seem like the Southern Hemisphere has nothing compared to us. Well, it's the other way around. Sorry, Northern Hemisphere people. We suck compared to the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, I mean, what are the key elements of Milky Way photography? Hours of dark. Well, when it's winter, you get a lot more of those. The only casualty is that what does winter also bring? Clouds and weather and inclement moments that just mess up with your Milky Way. So it does have a balance that possibly evens the game. But when it comes to what the opportunity is, the opportunity is great. And so I'm going to clarify the Southern Hemisphere Milky Way for all of you coming from the beginning of the year to the end. So we're just going to visualize and enjoy using Stellarium here. I'm using Stellarium, Stellarium. I still haven't decided how I want to say it. I always say Stellarium, but now on live, I decided to say Stellarium twice so i'm just gonna stick with it and so if you guys are listening to the podcast in your car get to work pull up the facebook page and watch this section where you can see the stellarium images eh? stellarium stellarium images with the discussion so southern hemisphere they have fewer opportunities for perfect nights because they're so great why do i say that well, if you quantify the whole night in four parts and have that Milky Way window of opportunity, well, in the Northern Hemisphere in February, we only have one quarter of the night that we can see the Milky Way. But in the Southern Hemisphere, you have two. In some places, half the night you can see the Milky Way, where in the Northern Hemisphere, it's pretty much, pretty much a 3 a.m. on to sunrise thing, and that's it. And so Southern Hemisphere has a brilliant six plus hours in some locations in February. And so it's amazing how great that is that you have half the night. 
And so why do I say in February that they have 12 perfect nights and we have 15? Well, because of them having two good parts of the night and we only have one that extra three nights after the the last quarter where there's only one part of the night without the moon in your way that's still perfect for northern but it's messing up half the night for the southern so that's why the southern hemisphere numbers get so skewed and wonky because of that and so when i'm looking in southern hemisphere let's go ahead and use the workshop that we were supposed to have in su in the southern island of New Zealand. I'm just going to click somewhere there. And let's do Christchurch. So Christchurch is the default location now for my Stellarium. And it's showing that right now in, in Christchurch at this time of the day, the sun is high in the sky in the summer. And let's go ahead and move our time forward. I'm getting the date time window up here. And we're just going to move our time forward to February. Actually, I'll start in January, and we'll go into the hours of the night. And I'm looking east because that is where you will see the Milky Way, right? Well, not in the Southern Hemisphere. We start almost directly east for our Milky Way in the Northern Hemisphere, but in the Southern Hemisphere, they start in the south. And there's a lot of time where they spend a lot of time in the west where we don't. And so looking at this at 1 o'clock in the morning, you can see that the Milky Way is already up. And we're not assessing the moon right now as I'm clicking through Stellarium. We're just waiting for the core to come above the horizon. In fact, I'm going to turn off the actual atmosphere so that we don't have any distracting light pollution, you know, guesses of Christchurch light pollution on the overlay here, where we just see the Milky Way for all its glory. Well, what happens in January, both here and in the Southern Hemisphere, is that the Milky Way core rises up. You guys might be recognizing Antares right here and the Rho Afuki. That's above the horizon first. If you've done Milky Way photography in January in the United States, you know that you're waiting for that Antares section of the Milky Way core to finally come up above the horizon. But in the Southern Hemisphere, it starts as a vertical Milky Way before the core shows up. So if you like deep sky astro on the row of Yuki complex, you've got it in January most of the night. And so let's go back. Uh, we're going to go back to um, 1 o'clock in the night. And you can see how it's swinging. Isn't that interesting? You can see how throughout the night it does a swing from the the core anchored at the bottom of the ground. Well, the anchor is really at the top of the sky. And the core is swinging along the horizon. It's directly south. And then as it goes later in the night, it goes southeast and then finally rises over here. And that's with the sun. So you can see how the Milky Way is mostly vertical and then tilts to a 45 to the right in the southern hemisphere in January. What's it like in a typical February month? Now let's go later in the month. Let's bring this towards the middle part of February. So February 20th is not the middle, but let's go February 20th. So you can see how this is 6 a.m. Let's go back until the beginning of the night. Look at how it swings. Look at how it swings from the south to the east. And then the core is in the east. And opportunity for Pano? No, unfortunately, panorama opportunity is not possible in February in the Southern Hemisphere, where it actually is possible in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, if you guys saw my Excel document, I'll just show you real quick. Pano opportunity begins in the Southern Hemisphere in May and goes the rest of the year. 
the rest of the year. Whereas in the north, we get panel opportunity from February, January really, but it's not a great panorama, it kind of floats off into the end of the sky, from February through June. So we have five months in the north with panorama opportunity, and in the south, we have one, two, three, four, five, six. I can't even say we have. They have. I have not even seen the Milky Way from the south yet because Jacinda Ardern closed off the country smartly for the pandemic. We would have been there already in August, and I experienced my first Milky Way, but we got blocked by the COVID, as everyone else did. So seven months versus five. Who wins that battle? If you love panorama Milky Way photography as much as I do, Southern Hemisphere is tremendous, just tremendous for panorama. Absolutely great opportunities for panorama, thanks to that. Um, where's my Stellarium? Stellarium. Okay, just make a, make a decision, Aaron. So this is the night sky in February, pretty vertical, and then you wait through the whole night until the sun rises and it just gets more and more vertical. So the hemisphere in March, well, in this situation, it's going to start vertical, and then the core is going to go higher and higher in the sky. And now this is a good point, this is a good part to address the other challenge of the southern hemisphere. Yeah, the Milky Way core is up. It's not being blocked by the horizon, but it gets crazy high. If I zoom in and look at this sky kind of the way that we do for our Milky photography and we combine a foreground plus sky, you're looking at a core that is stretching high above you and it was better in the earlier hours of the night when it was able to kind of match up well with your foreground. But as you wait for it later, it just goes higher and higher and higher in the night sky and that is the biggest challenge and the biggest negative to Southern Hemisphere Milky Way. Now, if you, and like me, love the idea of just a simple Milky Way core shot, you're not going to get cut off right here where Antares is. This is usually about our horizon in the Northern Hemisphere. We don't see any of this. We don't see the, lar the large and small Magellanic clouds. We don't see these things. And so what I'm pointing to, for those of you listening to audio only, is where the core gets its bulge. And at the top of that bulge, for us the top, um, we get Antares and the Rofuki complex. And then it fades into the horizon. In the southern hemisphere, that's just wide open, and it goes throughout the night sky. So if you want to just bypass a foreground and just point up straight up into the night sky, you can capture that jewel, the jewel tiara of the Milky Way entirely without anything abating it, just all in perfect view. And if you're done deep sky or you pay attention to the night sky through a telescope, you know that the higher anything is in the night sky versus on the horizon, it gets at zenith, and at zenith it is much better and much clearer to look at. It doesn't have any of the atmosphere folding on itself in front of you between you and it on that horizon. It goes high in the sky and becomes far more clear than it ever was. So while there's no foreground, there is the clearest view of the Milky Way core that you can get. And you can have a lot of fun with some deep shots like 
complete zoomed in high high uh, focal length like uh, imagine a 85 plus you can get something pretty fantastic where from frame to frame it's just stars billions of stars and the core looking beautiful and if you have an astro modded camera or you've tracked it you can get really good detail and color which is just uh, some of the one of these days my walls are going to be filled with shots like that I, I can't wait so this is a March Milky Way and we'll go through this a little faster as March and April share similar shapes. I'm going to go kind of to the middle of the night and jump through April. And so April on to May, what happens is the beginning of the night is tough. It's not the right time to go out. The Milky Way core is high in the sky and the core is going to go up above your head. But towards May, what happens different? Let's zoom out so you can see all this action happen. As I go from midnight and click onward towards the morning, Eventually, it uh, looks like May, specifically in Christchurch, I'm starting to see the sun over here, aren't I? So there's the sun above the horizon at 8 a.m., but at 6 a.m., you have over in the west. It started out in the east and southeast, but it moves up above your head and then goes over to the west and sets in a perfect parallel hoop horseshoe shape over the west. When you see panorama shots of the Southern Hemisphere, you are almost always seeing this. The view where the Milky Way is upside down to our perspective, where Antares is on the bottom instead of the top, you see the panorama also has that extreme shape where we don't get that in our panoramas unless we really warp them. But you get this extreme shape where you've got the core up high in the middle and it bends like a horseshoe really sharply down to the horizon. And you get those kind of panoramas in the southern hemisphere. And it happens like this every night right before sunrise for the rest of the year. And that's what makes this so cool. So I'm going to go forward into August. And I just go back a couple hours and I have that exact same image. Actually, I went back four hours. So that image I showed you just before sunrise in May that exact same position of the Milky Way can be there in August at midnight. And so the Southern Hemisphere wins a hundredfold just because of panorama opportunities and the fact that you can get a vertical one if you want it in the beginning of the night, wait until the morning and capture it then, and you have hours and hours of seeing that Milky Way. This, con this continues. This continues for at least... Uh, November all the way to November you can replicate that panorama but it looks like on November 19th the sun matches up too much with it so we're going to move our way backwards I'm clicking on Stellarium till I get the sun and the moon below the horizon so November 2nd and I go back now to um, I got to go back into the night so here's technically night nine o'clock I think so. Let me turn the atmosphere back on just in case. Okay, it's still sunset there. Just because this is their summer. Again, longer days as it gets into November. When it first becomes visible is around 10 with the light pollution. And that is, yes, Panorama Milky Way. Yes, it's visible. But this is where it gets challenging. And it's the end, the final curtain call for the Milky Way in the south. Is that you've got this parallel with the horizon Milky Way right now. All of its detail is basically on the horizon, distracting elements in the horizon. But even while Stellarium is Stellarium, man, Aaron, just pick a just pick enunciation, a pronunciation of that. This 
um, view kind of looks distorted and washed out here on Stellarium. But when you're in real life, that's higher up in the sky than you think. And that still looks pretty fantastic. And so November, I'm assuming if any of you here watching right now are from the Southern Hemisphere, give me the word if you have some great November panorama shots or just Milky Way shots in general. As it's so parallel with the horizon, it is uniquely um interesting it doesn't have that same panorama shape but it is taking up the entire image that if you did a panorama you would see it stretch for quite a long ways so that milky way in the southern hemisphere is gorgeous and it happens in repeat in repetition every month for seven months where you can capture the same shot so going to the live view while i'm still on the podcast real quick i want to answer phil sisto's question he says so the nicest aesthetic view of southern hemisphere milky way is actually at the same time as the nicest aesthetic view here in northern it looks like like june july yes and no phil just because in august and september and october you can get this shot and it's a very nice aesthetic view of a panorama of the sky in september and uh, let me go with the atmosphere still on and go later in the night you start to get a familiar look where you get a 45 degree panorama kind of coming off the horizon and then you just go all the way over here to the north side where orion's on one side and the core is on the other i can't imagine a panorama like that i've never captured something like that and that would be really interesting to see as well as um let me go into october and show off other nights of the year i guess the later in the year it'll be different but let's find out let's go up even though the moon might be at this night we have uh earlier hours of the night the sun is definitely out of the way right because the atmosphere is on i'm clicking on stellarium and making sure that the sun has set and that most likely astro twilight's done ignoring the fact that the moon is here during this particular october 12th in other years that won't be the case like 2022 it's not in the way i went forward into stellarium uh using the year and 2022 it's completely out of the way and gone and i would say that that has a nice pleasing look even in october doing a panorama and i'd have fun with that shot absolutely there's a whole different way of tackling your panorama with the way that it seems to spread out really far right and left um, I think that's why we get so many distorted panoramas where they're crazy wide and the shape is crazy warped as it's just showing off everything that they can. One, the core is high in the sky. Two, they're going really far right, right and left where in our Milky Way panels, it's we're only getting half of the Milky Way in our Milky Way panels. Isn't that crazy to think? We're seeing half of the Milky Way only in our Milky Way panoramas they're seeing half of it too just because we're only seeing half of it as we look at any one time but they're seeing all of the core and stretching off both directions and so when you think about the fiery ablaze sections of the core and of the milky way band the most boring thinnest portions are only at the tips of both ends of the panorama in the south where we're getting a big bloated awesomeness that's going across well, they are getting a big bloated awesome fiery milky way all the way through three-fourths of that panel so it is 
awesome. And yeah, as Phil says, so cool. It is so cool. The Galaxy Galactic Core and Orion the same panel would be nuts. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, it kills me because the Orion constellation is my consola- constellation is my consolation prize every year when the Milky Way core starts setting earlier and earlier. So the southern hemisphere, I'm gonna get out of Stellarium. Man, just say one thing, Aaron. I'm going to get out of Stellarium, so I'm going to focus now only on what I'm saying. But, man, I absolutely adore the opportunity in the Southern Hemisphere. And I'll be there hopefully in August of 2021. I'm starting to get nervous about it being a mad dash of every citizen on Earth who ever wanted to go to New Zealand going to New Zealand immediately and making August not possible. Today they announced that... Australia is allowed to travel to New Zealand. So they're opening up the island to another island. I don't believe they would appreciate it if an American made it to Australia and then came across. I'm pretty sure they would stop you in Australia. And so it is an Australian-New Zealand bubble that they're opening up. And I'm looking forward to them extending that bubble to the rest of the world. So here, let's pray for COVID to go away. So with the podcast, everybody, I want the Almanac to be the key resource to act as a virtual cheerleader. Aaron King, imagine you taped up, duct taped Aaron King to your wall and you walk in and say, hey, Aaron, should I be looking at me tonight? I'm like, yes, you should. And these are the reasons why it's great. And here's what you should think about. And you know, it's not a good night for Panorama. That Aaron King taped to your wall is the Aaron King you should hear when you flip through your Panorama or Almanac or when you see the wall poster and you see all of that and you focus on it. That's what I want you to think of. Cheerleading, Aaron King, excited that you are going to do Milky Ways and do as many as you can in 2021 and savor the outdoors and get away from our lockdown. Have the opposite of what happened with the lockdown where you're stuck in apartments all the time to where you're out in the sunlight and I guess nightlight and see the beautiful stars as they bake your white pasty skin into a beautiful glow. I don't know what that means, but I'm just excited to get back out there. I hope you are too. So thanks so much for hanging out in the podcast. Thank you guys for following. If you guys check out the link down below, you can get the Almanac. I'd really appreciate the support. If you get the supporters edition, that would be terrific. And you guys get out there and have an adventure of your own.